0: Hello, this is episode 230 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Really sure Nisha I have weird rambling notes here and no title, so let's see. So last week, an article was shared on Facebook about a dyslexic student getting first in college. He hadn't read a book till he was 13. I think I was 15. And I guess what struck me was that Bristol University were very proud. When I managed the same feat 20 years ago the disability liaison officer in the college had my photo taken with the president of Galway University and they put the wrong name under the photo in the college magazine. And I she was quite upset about it at the time. And I just kind of forgot about it and let it go. And I had completely forgotten about it until last week, until I read that article that someone else shared. And the other part that struck me was the fact that it's still newsworthy. But it's not average yet, that wonderful word that we've all had on our, our reports over the years, that it's still not mainstream for a student with dyslexia to achieve such high results. And I also didn't realise that getting a STEM degree was so much more difficult. I read another article last year on the most difficult degrees to get, and I didn't know, Like I, I just, it was just always that I could do maths. But many of the subjects for the degrees that are seen to be very difficult all come under STEM, science, technology, engineering, and maths, and computing as well was in there. And I did joke with my flatmate, you know, that she had one lever arch file for her finals, and I had one for each of my four subjects that was barely able to stay together. And she had five hours of lectures a week, and I had 60 hours, including my labs. So I I have always known that there's a difference between doing an arts degree and doing a science degree. And yeah, she spent a lot of time writing essays and a lot of time researching in the library, you know. It wasn't that she only did five hours a week in college. But it was funny when we compared just how much we had to learn. And she also had a fairly good idea what was going to be on her exam papers. Whereas with a science degree, you really couldn't predict. And so you ended up having to learn the whole course. I was shocked at how low my students' grades were when I started working with people. I'll be honest, like, I had never really done that badly in school, despite it all. And I was shocked at how low their reports were. You know, when you had someone's report in front of you and their best mark was 16%. And I was also quite shocked at the lack of expectation how low the points that they needed to aim for for courses or what they thought was possible. And I suppose often I was seen as expecting too much from people initially, but often people really rose to meet that, and so I was usually proof-right in the end. And it wasn't in a pushy way, it was just that I knew that they could do better, especially if they had a, a different approach and different resources, and different help, and so on. I knew what was possible. But it made me realize that I had taken so much for granted in one way about what I had done. But in another sense, that's because in some ways, it's never true. Because then I know if I wrote something out for you, as I really can, or I showed you my normal handwriting, or I tried to read a piece for you here, it will be so bad that I'd run the risk of losing your respect in an instant. The inabilities haven't left me inside, they never can. I can't lecture because I could never correct exam scripts. My CV for a company cannot have a spelling mistake, as that would be seen as bad representation for the company. I really struggle to work in a university environment as a course administrator and later in other administration roles in the university because I was always terrified that that my literacy would be, you know, that would get things wrong I think one of the worst tasks I was ever given and again I was reminded this week because I was sent a photo of some of the students graduations and the worst nightmare was to get their names spelled wrong for their parchment and in the booklet for the graduation ceremony. But I had no way to check them. I think it's the one task I was given where I actually had a full blown panic attack in work. I was just like, I have no idea how to do this. So we hide, we create alternative worlds away from everyone else's judgments. And so this is why I find a totally new focus. But I see a worrying trend that's been around for about a year now. And that's that personality is not popular. And I'm starting to have to debate the use of personality with people. One of my first observations was that personality is an inconvenience in school. Like many of my students are ridiculed just for being funny. Just, just having more personality, like just not being quiet and, you know, really people-pleasing in a way. They're just not, you know, they're not just sort of sitting so contained. They have personality and they crack jokes and they do funny things and they're memorable. And we've gone from one extreme to the other where we've had a generation where We've ridiculed the idea of the snowflake generation and people being unique and trying desperately to carve out a path for themselves in uniqueness. And one of the aspects that I always like about personality theory is that it can explain to you how you are similar to some people, but also how you're different within yourself. But we've begun to focus on campaigns for representation and for people to be part of a representative group and to belong somewhere and there's less emphasis on developing your own ideas or your own sense of self at the moment we're going away from the idea of the individual right now like that's become last season and we often think that the idea of developing a core is having an ego and It's funny because I become a mirage of my soul for each book so that people will reach a different layer. And for the first book, I was seen to be too vulnerable, too real and too honest. For the book on difference, I was seen as arrogant, as I was too content in being different. And for the journey to connection, I was too good. Numerous people worried about being able to be a good enough friend for me. And then I began to write on quite taboo topics and the readers got quieter and quieter. And so it's only the people really close to me that I've I've had feedback and a sense of what it's really invoked for them. We we don't like honest or vulnerability of war. They're disconcerting to us. We basically want fake, we want Insta ready. And many of my readers have said that it's really refreshing that I don't have to do that, that I can show my own mistakes. But we've also got to a place now where we don't really want people to live their lives for themselves or to be whole or contained. We want them to follow a new majority, even if that is the concept of the minority that they're in becoming a new majority. And there's a really complex essay by James Baldwin on this topic in his book, Nobody Knows My Name. I'm probably going to do a podcast on minorities soon on that word, because it keeps cropping up for me. And I, I'd like to cover it separately. But I have no doubt that if I had set up my Patreon to not work in relation to racism or to white supremacy that some of my emails would not have been ignored. And some of the people that I've emailed have been blankly racist over the last few months. And I think some people are struggling to wrap their heads around why this goes with my work and why I haven't just sort of stayed in some designated zone or lane to do the work that I'm doing. There's a sense always of asking people to fit in that you can't be different and that you can't develop yourself but if you can't ever fulfill those requirements in education in a funny way you can't ever fudge any of this it's like I said to you in the beginning that even though I've achieved so much there's a part of me that constantly makes that obsolete because The inabilities to do it in the way that's expected are still inside in me. And so they will always trip me up going into new situations unless I can really work the way I need to. And that involves having a great deal of awareness of who I am and a great deal of awareness of my aptitudes and the way that I do see the world and the way that I do process it. And that focus on the personality and on my needs in order to to be in the world as me and to be able to navigate the alternative route away from all of this. And so I do worry that as we move into a season where we move away from the individual that I'm having to debate more and more the right almost to be able to do that And if I can't do that, how am I going to succeed? And how are other people going to succeed that I'm trying to help? But I am starting to come across roadblocks in terms of this, and I'm not sure who started putting up the barriers. I need for you to decide that people have a value. It's that pure and simple, and that they can be different and develop a core and know their personality needs, and be real, and feel whole, regardless of whatever they can't do inside, for whatever those reasons are.